Thank you for tuning in to our podcast recorded live each week. Now sit back and enjoy the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoor Show. Strap into your tree stand and get ready for the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoors. Your source for outdoor information, education, and entertainment. Now, here are your hosts, Tony Sanders and Rob Pratula. I can make a living from walking in the woods. Good morning, everybody. Tony Sanders Outdoors is live on the air from the banks of everywhere. As the floods rise, the mark is about a quarter complete. Um, I, I have faith I can get through with it by the, tomorrow. Is the Tennessee River in your front lawn? Yeah, it's Tennessee River is everywhere. It's crazy. It is right now. Man, we are starting the show right. Uh, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, um, everybody is eating. Yeah, this would. Um, this this is how you endear yourself to the host. You um, you you drive. Uh, 14 hours to come home and get up at 3 in the morning and cook breakfast and bring it into the studio. Hi, David. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Got to score some points. <laughs> this is a longtime listener. Uh, you guys hear him call in uh, quite frequently, just as the truck driver. Uh, is David Wright, who is, uh, is a truck driver and listens to us from all over the country, wherever he happens to be. And uh, he's, he's in Chattanooga this week. So thank you so much. Good to be here. Hope you're enjoying your biscuit, David. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of I've had a lot of good things and people I've met through the years doing the show. And um, David, I'm gonna be honest, you're one, you're one of the best. I'm not saying that because I'm eating your food right now. He says that when I bring biscuits, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's how I met David, uh, and and this this I remember years ago talking to my daughter and saying, if you find somebody that's you know an outdoors person. You will find you'll find a nice person most of the time, not always. Um, but we were doing a warrior hunt, and this was what David five years ago, six uh, yeah, years about ago, five years ago, I think. Yeah. And David had been a listener. I never really called in much, maybe some, not much. Um, and uh, I made the comment that we were short on guns for these warriors coming in. We try to provide everything for them so they don't have. To, and a lot of times uh, they come in and they've never hunted before. And we have some restrictions where we were hunt, so we had to have some not hunting rifles, but shotguns or muzzle loaders. And I made the comment on the air. I said, hey, we're short some guns. If anybody's got a gun out there that, that would loan these warriors. And I get a phone call, and David says, hey, i got a great shotgun. I'll be more than happy to, to loan you. Never met him, never talked to him. He met me outside uh, the courthouse downtown and uh, and handed me his gun and and then the next year, you actually came and got it, yeah. and uh, and so I I mean it's just I, it's just the way people are sometimes, and 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 you're definitely one of the best. I appreciate it. Thank you. There's nothing like a good gun transaction right in front of the courthouse. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that here. Other states, not so much. You can do that here. Welcome. To a little a little handoff downtown. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> funny, uh, but uh, we were able to to, to get the. The, the warrior in with the gun and got him sighted in and ready to go. Kind of and they've got me in this warrior hunt thing now. I just look forward to it every year. Now, last year we had a ball. <laughs> it's a good well, now time. You, now, you and I were sitting out in the parking lot just, you know, reminiscing, you know, over years past. And we're sitting there. Some years have been cold. Some years have been warm. And 
we were sitting out there this year, and it was it was it was pleasant. And I noticed, and I looked around, and, and I think I said something to you. I said, "Is everybody taking a nap?" Because everybody was in their vehicle right after. I mean, we had this big taco lunch. It was tacos, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had this big taco lunch, and I'm I'm kind of sitting in the kitchen, you know, just kind of chit chatting with people. I walk outside. And there's nobody to be found. And I look in all these cars, and there's like these slumped over bodies in every one of the cars. <laughs> every one of them. Good times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good times. And what's your point? Well, yeah. no, I'm just saying, you know, good food. And we got good food this morning. So, you know, the second hour may be a little bit slow because we may be like sleeping this. Yeah, we have, we have good guests going to be with us. Let's introduce our other guests. Joe DiPietro, who is a um, a guide on the Tacoa River in North Georgia. How you doing, Joe? Pretty good. It's good to be here again. You know, it's it's we've been on the air for two minutes now, and uh, the fifteen minutes before we went on the air, I mean, we got transactions happening. David's <laughs> getting into fly fishing, and got a fly yep, guide yep. and a fly guide, and it's like, wow, this is you know. Is, this is things be- are happening. This is the best making progress. Yeah, exactly, best three a.m. get up to come in. And, I mean, oh, yeah. you're you're benefiting too. Yeah, this all in that person anyway. It's almost my bedtime on a normal week. <laughs> I'm used to getting up early, so it uh, doesn't bother me a bit. So, how are you? Uh, are you? Are you? Are you? Is your fishing? You know, kind of like fast fishing, right? Yeah, <laughs> right I mean, it's the water's high, and so we're you know we're we're fishing fast, but that's you gotta you gotta go with the current, and when the current goes, you've got to. Be at that speed, and that's what it takes. So no, you, you need a boat. Yeah. I, I was going to ask, what's your eight-hour float time? Like fifteen minutes now? What, yeah, something like that. What What used to take me eight hours now takes me about two if I don't row, if I don't slow down. Okay. There's places I pull out of the current, and we we can sit for a little bit, but uh, we're doing half days, not full days. How long have you been fishing? The and I've been working full time on the Tacoma. Almost this will be closing in on fifteen years. I can't remember if it's thirteen or fourteen this year. Have you seen it like this? Um, much, have you seen this much rain in a... No, I've never seen I mean, it's like it started raining last March and yeah. just hasn't stopped. Um, you know, we've got more rain coming next week. I'm not sure what it's going to, you know, where it's going to go, but... Uh, yeah, they're, they're we'll calling see. six to ten inches here. Yeah, that's about the same thing what we got. Uh, I mean, that's, that's just nuts. Yeah, I mean, the water's been high for the last month and a half. They really haven't shut the generation off. Um, and that's actually kind of good. Anytime they leave the water at one level and don't do that daily up and down, the fish sort of pick a spot, settle out, and just go to feeding. And so while it's, it's a little bit harder on the guy that rows the boat, it's also you know a little easier for me because they're more predictable. They're where they were yesterday. Um, so well, and I heard you say before we went on there, uh, you were glad you learned to fish high water a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, five, six years ago, a buddy of mine said to me as I was putting in on high water, what are you doing that for? Nobody catches fish in this river in high water. And I said, okay, well, now I've got to, got to figure out how to do this because you told me I couldn't. So, um, you know, and it was, it turns out what the real deal I think was, was it's more work on the guide to run trips on high water. It's a little more dangerous if you're in a, depending on the type of boat you have. And so you got to really want to do it. And I was hungry and had nothing else to do they were running high water for months on and then too and it you know it took six or eight days but i finally started catching fish and now i've you know i've been running trips for what four or five years now on high water well now see that's the thing i always heard the tacoa when it's high don't bother that's that, what everybody i says. mean that's what yeah. everybody said and, mm-hmm. I, and i listened to everybody yeah but i've been out with you on high water yeah. and i've caught a lot of fish yeah which you know shows your prowess as a guide but you know like you said people would say you know water's up 
don't bother. Yeah, well, I started thinking, you know, the Tacoa runs into the Hiawassee. And my friend who I've seen on this show recently, um, Bill Stranahan, mm-hmm. has taught me a lot about the Hiawassee River. And number one, if you're going to be in a boat, you want to fish it when it's high. And I thought to myself, what makes my river so special that the fish don't eat? And the other thing that, that kind of dawned on me was any time of long high water, as soon as it was low and I'd fish, the, all the fish I'd catch were just fat and healthy and they'd been eaten. It's not like they were starving behind a rock just trying to hang on while the water was high. And so, you know, it took that. I, I, you know, some people out in Arkansas and other places where, you know, fishermen are known to fish particularly high water sort of helped me out along the way. And I took what I could glean from them and built, you know, what I do now on high water. So it was uh, not on my own that I figured it out. It was, you know, I had help from people. But uh, I'm glad I did. You know, now it's... Uh, it's a lot better not to have to be dependent on one water level to, to work. Um, so, All right, let me ask you real quick. I'm sure we'll get into it later. The type of boat you use in high water uh, can differ from guide to guide. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The trestle bridge. Uh-huh. I have tried to get a drift boat through that. I've tried to get a raft through that. I've tried to get several things through that. Mm-hmm. And at high water, that can be really squirrely. Yeah, there's one spot you want to be in that yeah. bridge on high water. If you've never done it before, yeah. you don't want to fish between the dam and Curtis Switch. That's right. for sure. Okay. Um, it's it's yeah. There's one hole. It's luckily it's the furthest one to the right, um, but it's still it's hairy. the The bridge goes one way. The current goes a different way through it. And so you can get set up to go into it, and the current will actually pull you into the, into the pylons. And the trouble is there's these large lag bolts, old rusty lag bolts that stick out. So if you're in an inflatable or a pretty wooden boat and you hit these big, large lag bolts on high water, it could, it could cause you some, some hiccups. If, you, if you're not an experienced you know, paddler or oarsman, you have no business trying to do that river on high water. It's just dangerous. Um, it is. Uh, yeah. And I'll tell you, um, one of the things I've... Having having rowed and, and spent time on that river, people don't realize that is a. You have to, like you said, you have to line up. Oh yeah, I yeah, mean, you, have, it's, to, you yeah. have to come in at a certain angle, and I've come in at a certain angle, and I had people tell me, "You're coming in wrong. You're coming in wrong." Mm-hmm, yeah. And then at the last second, you just make that little or mm-hmm. or switch, and you go right through, no problems, yeah. no 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 issues. Yeah, yeah. But people, but you got to come in there, kind of sideways yeah you got to kind of lead it yeah you got to sort of uh think think down the line ahead of what what's actually happening then uh, in order to do it right and it's one of those things that once you do a particular river uh, i think you know you it's kind of like driving down a road you don't need the stripes once you've driven it two or three times um and you know there was an, an incident i guess it was probably maybe five six years ago where i wound up finishing off rowing in the dark and it dawned on me as i began to row that it's all kind of muscle memory i cover the same four or seven miles of river every day and if i just sort of close my eyes the oar strokes are almost always the same depending on the lines i fish so um, i've actually rowed that river in the dark and and it's it's it was a pretty neat thing to sort of navigate by the trees and uh i didn't hit hit any more rocks than i do during the day was the, the interesting part i also i, I gotta ask you you got really high praise from Richard Sims. Richard Sims is a great guy. Yeah, I mean, he's. <laughs> I, I also write for outdoor magazines and have done that. I have a degree in English and you know have have a history in doing that. And Richard has helped me along the way more than once. You're obviously putting that to good work. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, honestly, <laughs> I know you're right. He's, but he's I, a great I fella. He's always been willing to help me. I've, and Ross Malone, 
yeah, is yeah. who connected me to him. I was doing a, a duck hunting story for Alabama Outdoor News Magazine, and I am no duck hunter. I mean, it shows in when I write a hunting story that I'm a fisherman. Um, but and Alabama's no real place to hunt ducks either. I mean, there's ducks there, but not like what you get in, in when you're on a flyway. Um, and he connected me, and Richard was willing to give a young writer some free photos to use for the the magazine story, and the rest is kind of history. So, so yeah, this this is what Richard said, which uh, I have I have a lot of respect for Richard. I agree. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, Joe D. Pietro, folks, this man is the hardest working fly fishing ex- trout expert. Calling you an expert, I thought mm-hmm. was kind of that that kind of caught me off guard <laughs> when I saw it. That ever walks through the North Georgia mountains, watching him with a fly rod is poetry in motion. That's pretty high praise. Wow. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I saw that where he said that, and that, I, I, I agree. I think it was, uh, it, it says something coming from him, I suppose. Um, and I was, I felt flattered uh, for sure. Um, he, uh, I, you know, I, I took his daughter and her soon to be, or, or was then soon to be. I think they're now married, uh, fishing down at Tacoa. That's uh, been a number of years ago. But Richard called me and said, "Hey, I want you to take my daughter and her fiance." And sure, and we go down the river and. He called me the maybe the next day or you know uh, that night, and he says, "When my daughter got home, she told me that Dad, Joe works way harder than you do fishing with people." <laughs> <laughs> and now, as I'm getting, you know, I mean, I've been doing it long enough. I'm starting to tell my myself and my friends, "I got to find a boat with a motor." <laughs> uh, my my shoulder, my knees, and you know, things are starting to starting to hurt a little more than they used to, but. Sounds like uh, me on a motorcycle. I pass the bicycle riders, and I, I don't hear an engine running. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're at the first break. Uh, as you can see, folks, this is going to be a great show today. Stay tuned for Tony Sanders Outdoors. Like a good neighbor is not just a saying. It exactly describes my friend, Rodney Allen. For nearly 20 years, my family has relied on Rodney for all of our insurance needs. He's been there when my kids were learning to drive, when my wife had been hit by a few deer, and when I needed life insurance to protect my family, as well as when my grandson was born. As you can see, he's not just our agent. He's part of our life. Rodney Allen, 423-847-3881. Like a good friend, Rodney will be there for your family too. 423-847-3881. If you're looking to target your product or service to the outdoor community, Tony Sanders Outdoors can help. Nearly one-third of the radios are tuned to Tony Sanders Outdoors on Saturday mornings from 5 to 7 a.m. Whether it's a recorded commercial, live reads, remote broadcast, or product endorsements, Tony and Rob can help. Give us a call at 423-280-3677 to discuss your advertising needs. Tony Sanders Outdoors, your outdoor advertising solution. 423-280-3677. Welcome back. Tony Sanders Outdoors. I'm ready to take a nap now after that breakfast. And David, thank you. You're very welcome. Very good. So so what made you decide you wanted to get into fly fishing? I, I know it's not listening to Rob. Is it? I'm afraid it is listening to Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We talked about it a little last year, and he said, yeah, anytime you all, I'll teach you how to cast. And I, I just keep stewing it over, and I'm thinking, uh, I was at Sportsman's the other day, and I'm looking at some things, and I'm thinking, yeah, it's time. It's time. (laughs) 
the um, come to the dark side. We have cookies. Yes, oh, and, yeah. I'll, and yes. I'll bring venison. He, he, has, <laughs> he has venison biscuits. <laughs> the heck with your cookies. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah, much exactly. at this point. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, David. In all seriousness, now, you're between two people that can really help you on the, the fly fishing world. Sounds like a plan to me. The Tacoa is a lot of fun to fish. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. you just said something. I don't know if you were it was tongue in cheek or if that was true. How the the two different bodies of water come are named? No, that's the truth. And I used to say it tongue in cheek, and I did the research and found out that is in fact the truth. That the Tacoa is essentially the Acoe River, same river. It goes under a bridge in Tennessee and Copper Hill, and becomes the Acoe. And the boys in Georgia heard the Indians say Tacoy, and the boys in Tennessee heard the Indians say Acoy. And kind of in the, the typical famous border, you know, feuds and and arguments we have between the two states. Um, they decided we'd, you know, name them different names. Okay, how does a river, just because it crosses state lines, change names? I have never been able to figure that out. Well, they apparently the boys in Georgia and the boys in Tennessee couldn't get along and, and as to what the Indians were really saying. Okay, fair enough. So, <laughs> you kind of like Civil the water War battle across the creek? <laughs> I, I, wonder, I wonder if... If that's but, the only na- river that changes names like that, no, no, yeah, I, I couldn't tell. No, the uh, there's one that goes through Oklahoma City, and it's like the North Canadian. But once it hits Oklahoma, it becomes the Oklahoma River. But once it exits Oklahoma, it goes back to being whatever it was. <laughs> okay, that doesn't make sense. Well, hang on, I'll look it up. No, that's all right. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's highways, you know, that do that. You'll yeah. be right along on Joe Blow Highway, and all of a sudden it's Gale Blow Highway. You know. <laughs> Just changed over. Interesting. Who knows? Maybe it is. Just boys just can't get along. I think it's probably it. I, I, just, <laughs> I just got a text. The old rivalry. Uh, I just got a text. Uh, my good friend Chris Green. Uh, he's having he's having some problems. He's been in the hospital, and uh, I really wish him well. Went and saw him uh, this weekend. He says there are some big old trout in the Tacoa, <laughs> and he wants to ask about the bluegill in the Tacoa. Bluegill in the Tacoa. That's something that showed up in. 2009, after the drawdown, when we had a bunch of fish from the, the, the lake show up in the river. Um, and now when you get you know, warmer <laughs> periods in the summer, you can catch them here and there. Um, but I think they've probably always been there. We just had an influx of them. And we had an influx of perch. Um, we've also got smallmouth in that river. We've got spotted bass. I had a client last spring hook either a largemouth or a spot that was five, six pounds on a <coughs> size 12 fly. And he spent I mean, fish kind of... And this guy was, he's an athletic fella. He played in the NFL, and he, he knows how to fish, is what I'm trying to illustrate. And he, he took this fish and went around the boat. The fish went around the boat with him three or four times and then just sort of turned his head and swam back to the creek mouth where we had caught him. Um, it was kind of a heartbreaker. He was a really nice, you know. So there's, I've seen a, a mean mouth uh, bass come out of that river that was in the neighborhood of six pounds, which is a Smallian uh, spot hybrid. Um, so there's all kinds of stuff in that river. Never seen a catfish. Never seen a catfish, but historically they were there. I've been told by fellows who grew up there that when when they uh, started stock when the when Georgia started stocking that that river with trout, they you know it was in the '60s and they before they did it they they poisoned everything out of the river, um, which I think was a common practice in management. Then if you had ponds and lakes with native fish, was you, before you started putting them in there, putting uh, stock fish into a body of water, you got rid of all the others and. I know in ponds at least they usually drain them, but so whatever was there was kind of cleaned out. But they've uh, repopulated, swam upstream. So there's all the native fish are in that river again. Um, so you never really know what you might catch. Rob, you're the only guy I've ever known to catch a crappie out of that river, though. Yeah, 
I've never seen anybody else do that. <laughs> you know, I was standing at one spot, and I was catching brim, crappie, perch, bluegill, and every now and again I catch a rainbow. I'm like, damn, trout, get off my line. <laughs> Who put you in here? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's bluegill to be had. Move away. Move on, move on. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to. We've got, where I live, we've got a couple of lakes down there, and they're just full of little one-and-a-half, two-pound bass. They stocked them. And bluegill, like you can't believe. And that, Easy fly fishing. That's exactly. That's a Honey, great way to learn nice. to fly fish. And yeah. I, I tell clients that I had a one of my clients' wife actually sent me an email because she had she bought the trip for him, and she sent me an email the day after and said, I, I think it's hilarious you told my, my husband that he should go home and go to the pond on the golf course and try to catch some of those little bluegill. Um, she, you know, and I, I said to her, I replied, I said, no, I was serious. I said, it's good practice. And the more you get, trout don't give you a lot of time from the point they bite to the time you've missed them, you know. And bluegill do. Yeah. And so you've got, you've got four or five seconds instead of half a second to get that fish hooked. And the mechanics of it all, it's way different than spin fishing or, yeah. you know, fishing with conventional tackle. So the more you, it's muscle memory. The more you practice it, the better off you get. Yeah, I'm looking forward to learning. I can't believe a half a second to catch a trout. Yeah, I mean, wild fish? Yeah. Wild fish are not going to hang on to... Trout are real sensitive to drag and, and weight. And so typically we fish with at least two flies. Um, and as soon as they feel the weight or the, the line pulling from the second fly, they're working to get it out of their mouth. And I've, I've watched them. They do this little circle thing. And as something in that little circle, which kind of just looks like they reset... Um, it's gone. They spit it right out. And so wild fish are more sensitive than stockfish to it. Um, but even stockfish, I tell clients that the first tap is him eating it. The second tap is him spitting it out. And the third tap is him eating it again if you're really lucky. And so when you feel that first tap, if I could put a sound to it, the thump would be the bite and ting would be the hook set. Thump, ting. That's how fast you want to try to, try to hook a trout. Um, you don't want to give him very long to, to eat it. Um, if, if you've ever had tinfoil in your mouth, you know that metal oh, is, yeah. <laughs> you know, you notice it. And I can't imagine trout are much different that when a fly that I've tied that's got lead and wire and other things in it, you know, tungsten beads, it, that they don't realize right away. Hey, that's, that, a sense. that's not a bug. Um, so you, it's a quick thing. Uh, that, I, I have to admit, that's probably one of the most common sense approaches to Exactly See that that I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, the well, trout, I've trout got a where, where have you been, Rob? Keep it nice and simple for me. Yeah, I was thinking. You know, the trout sits there and goes, "You know, I'm, I'm going to bite down on this." Hey, this didn't go crunch. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's crunch. I think it's just that there's there's. I don't know what it is when I put tinfoil in my mouth, but I know I want it out and I want it out quick. Um, so I spent most of my life trying to think like a trout, and if I figured anything else out, it's just that they don't think like people very often. <laughs> And when you find something out that works, you sort of hang on to it. And that's one of my I've found. So how many of your clients miss that hook set? Oh, I mean, a beginning fly fisherman or a beginning trout fisherman should expect to miss a third to two-thirds of the fish that bite, that they know bite. There's probably another, you know, handful that they never knew were there. Um, and that's one of those things. Like, it's, it's, it's not a discipline of perfection. It's, it's a discipline of practice. The closest you'll ever get to being perfect at fly fishing or even fishing for trout in general, is to get really quick and efficient at fixing tangles. That's, that's as close to perfect as you get. And I think that if you strive to be perfect in it, you're, you're just going to frustrate yourself. Um, just take a deep breath, slow down, and, and go back to what you're doing. Um, not getting in a big hurry is, is part of what makes it work. Tell everybody how they can find you or reach out to you. Um, you can find me trip. on Facebook at North Georgia Trout Fishing. 
Um, or you can, of course, call 706-851-4001. Um, give, it, give that again. 706-851-4001. Um, or Facebook, uh, North Georgia Trout Fishing. And uh, you'd be more than happy to take them down. Oh, absolutely, water, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's... We, we're fishing right now. Spring fishing is picking up, and I'd be happy to, to take people down the river. That's uh, nothing else. How long is your season on the Dakota? Um, I stay really busy till about the middle of July. And now, because I'm fishing the tailwater, I catch fish nearly every day of the year on that river. So it's, it's less dependent on the weather and more dependent on kind of what people are doing. So from right now until the end of middle of July, when people go back to school, and then from the end of September till about the middle of November, um, I stay really busy. But uh, those in-between times when I'm not busy, the middle of winter is when we catch some of the biggest fish. Um, Rob's been there with me in mm-hmm. cold, cold temperatures, and we've seen a few really nice fish. Um, so it's one of those things. We, we caught a great fish yesterday, and it was not the prettiest of days. It was a gray, ugly, kind of wintry, cool day. And that's really the, the uglier the weather in the winter, the better fishing usually is. In uh, the cold yeah. yeah, I mean, the bluebird sky, nice day as after the front pushes in. That's when I like to stay home and tie flies. Um, the spit and snow and 40 to 35 degree weather, that's when you want to be out there with your gear on so you don't freeze, but you'll be catching fish. Um, it's just something about low pressure in the wintertime is what they, what they want. Speaking of freeze, uh, this last weekend, if for those of you who missed it, we were doing the Out and About with Trout, which was the TU uh chapter here went out to lake junior okay and we called it out and about with trout well I after, th- and i thought that was you out and about with you <laughs> no no okay. it was out and about with trout well because it dropped what, what's it, what's his name the trout professor absolutely that's why i said i thought it was you yeah i follow you all right <laughs> with the uh temperature drop from thursday being 80 degrees and then saturday it was probably 28 with sustained 15-mile-an-hour winds, ballpark. Yeah, it was windy. We, we changed the name. It was Out and About with Trout to Out and About with Trout Freeze Out. <laughs> um, we saw a few people out there, but uh, it got nasty Saturday and um, not good conditions for fishing. A couple of people caught some uh, limits out there. I think two, two groups of people caught limits out there, but uh, it was real nice to see everybody stop out at the well, You know, they, they said it was two Russians. Yeah. So they were, you know, obviously used to fishing in Siberia, so they weren't affected by the cold. Apparently not. So. Kamchatka is, is, I mean, there are people who travel all over the, from all over the world to go to Kam, the Kamchatka River and catch rainbows. It's uh, one of those places that's on my bucket list to go in Russia. But uh, yeah. I think I'll go catch the fish and come right home. I had a friend of mine go. Did you? Uh, two years ago. It must and, have been amazing. Uh, he said it was. Yeah. It's supposed to be just like great big fish and hard fighting and. Very aggressive, like they'll eat mice, you know, mice, mouse patterns, and just mm-hmm. really fun, flashy ways to fish. He's he's been all over the world trout fishing, and he said, and and, and he he's a frequent uh, to Wyoming and you know Montana, yeah. uh, Alaska, mm-hmm. and he said there was just nothing like a nothing like Russia. Yeah, he's, I bet, I bet, I would. Yeah, that and Patagonia are kind of the yeah, two yeah. two meccas. You know, that's my people you're talking about, right? No, it's not. You did that DNA thing. It's not well, for I, people. <laughs> it is, actually. More Kamchatka than anybody else. So You have people, Rob? Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, me and my Russian buddies. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, um, 
It was uh, it, it was something else. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to go there, really. But I have to admit, uh, it was nice to see all the guys, but it was colder than Hades out there. Yeah, it was. Good uh, Lord. And I need to give a shout-out. Um, there was a lot of people out there, especially uh, our group from the Appalachian chapter, but the Hiawassee chapter from uh, up the road stopped by, and they brought about 10 or 12 guys out there. And Chris Wilmore from uh, Quail Unlimited stopped by. It was nice to see Chris. So Quail forever. Quail forever, sorry. Not unlimited. Well, it'd be nice if they were unlimited. <laughs> or not. Uh, yeah, I know. But, what was your turnout? Uh, we had about 16 guys out there. Not bad. I, I Consider the weather. For, yeah, for 30-mile-an-hour yeah. winds and 28 degrees. <laughs> and there were probably 25 people out fishing. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was, it, was, it was bitter. Yeah. Windy and bitter. Yeah. So. All right. We'll be right back. Tony Sanders Outdoors. If you want to be part of the show, give us a call. 267-1023-267-1023. Campfires are burning. We're gathered round in chairs. Three generations of hunting in our veins. Beatty's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawns. If you're a homeowner, Beatty's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed for this area and provide you with knowledge to have a lawn that is the envy of all your neighbors. If you're a lawn care company owner, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Go to the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer, 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Are you a member of the National Rifle Association? If not, why? No other organization in this country fights for your rights like the NRA. In the current environment, our rights under the Second Amendment are being attacked every day. While we in the South may feel comfortable, that is not the case all across America. The NRA is taking up the fight for you, and you need to be a part. Join the over 5 million men, women, and children who are members of the NRA. Go to TonySandersOutdoors.com and click on the Join NRA link. Don't wait too late. If you need any outdoor supplies, there's only one place to go, Sportsman's Warehouse. They have all the equipment you need, as well as a friendly, knowledgeable staff to assist you. If you want a firearm, then check out the thousands of guns they have on the shelf. you don't see one you want, go to sportsmanswarehouse.com. Choose from over 6,700 models they have, and they will ship it directly to the store. Everyday low prices, no shipping charges, and no processing fees. Sportsman's Warehouse, the great indoors for those who love the great outdoors. Highway 153 and Lee Highway. Welcome back Tony Sanders Outdoors. Hanging with our friends this morning, Joe DiPietro, a fishing guide out of the North Georgia area, known for fishing the Tekoa, and truck driver extraordinaire David Wright, who likes to go to Missouri to hunt deer. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's good trout fishing in Missouri, too. You could, oh. you could do both. There you go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And you just heard colder is better when you're trying to catch big fish. Works for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Roaring. Yeah. There's a. There's. They have Missouri has a series of trout parks where they've got state parks and they've. Uh, Montauk is one of them that I remember going to as a as a kid. They're they're. It's a pretty good system for what they're working. I'll be looking all that up soon. Yeah. Busted my bubble. Um, I thought Rob did all that listening on Saturday mornings from his mind, his memory, and I see that he's actually reading a cue card. 
Yes. Yes. Come on. I thought you well, had that steel trap up there just full of all that knowledge. Most of it is up there, but it, it, things change from week to week. For example, okay. you know, like they're having the chili cook-off this week. Um, the uh, first responders and military appreciation sale, you got to get that information in there. Balloon pop's coming up. Balloon pop will be coming Works up. Works for me. So, you know, got when they give us information, you know, we just read that as part of it. Okay. That Having a live read is really great, but the only problem is... We kind of read what they send us, and if they don't put it out well, we try and make a, you know, we add a little bit here and take a little bit out there. But, you know, we have to have good information to work with on, okay. the, on the forefront. So Sportsman's is always good about giving us good information about what's going on at their store. So. There you go. Yeah, we we couldn't do it. We get an email every week that said this is what's coming up. So Yeah. Well, I love the place. I've, I'm sold on it. Yeah, you said you told everybody to get your gift card from there this year? For- yeah. I, I'm a big, I'm a big, hey, give me a sportsman's gift card and, uh, and, and I save it to balloon pop and I pop and I pay and I just, I see, don't win, but that's all right. Yeah. I see a lot of what they do for everybody. They pitch in for ever, anything outdoors and it's just, it's, it's worth fooling with to me. Just go over there and do my shopping. Well, you know, um, I was talking the other day and, and then I ran into Carl out at Silverdale mm-hmm. and was talking to him there. And I said, you know, I said on the air, you guys do, you know, uh, if we it just at a hundred guns at $25 a gun, you know, that's $2,500 that doesn't ever get counted that you're doing right. for us. And so he, he heard me say it and decided, he goes, I'm going to go look it up. And so he looked it up. They did 186 guns. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> last year for churches conservation groups he's everybody that does what we do uh and he said that our typical fee is 40 bucks so now you do that math and you know it's 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 getting right up there at eight grand i'm loving it it's awesome that's a lot of give back yes it is that no one else is doing so uh, they definitely are my favorite place as well um i had somewhere i was going to go how did you end up in north georgia now uh your your dad was in education. Yeah, I'm assuming that's, you traveled around. Yeah, I mean, my dad was the he was the dean of the vet school for 18 years, and that was the you know the years I was growing up, and that was at University of Florida. So I grew up around Gainesville and went to college in Tampa, and somewhere along the line, they they bought some property in North Georgia. I may have had some uh, influence in that somewhere along the way, but um, by the time I got out of college, I was driving to North Georgia once a month you know I'd, I'd leave on wednesday night and drive all night long fish thursday friday saturday sunday leave sunday afternoon drive all the way back to tampa to be in class or school monday and so it sort of at by the time i got out of college my folks had moved to tennessee and you know we're in knoxville and it was you know i had no family left in florida so i thought i was either going to go to everglade city or i was going to go to you know blue ridge and Blue Ridge won kind of by default and that, you know, my family was closer to Blue Ridge than Everglades City for sure. And when I got there, I worked for the local paper for a couple of years and started learning the water. And two or three years later, I started doing guiding part time and the rest is history. Um, there's nowhere else on earth I'd, I'd rather be. It's it's I feel very, very lucky and fortunate to be able to live in Fannin County and make a living. Um, if you're not in a facet of tourism or real estate, it's hard to, to eke a living there. Um, but uh, somehow I just kind of fell into it. If, if you told me 20 years ago this is what I'd be doing, I'd say you're full of baloney. <laughs> you know what I mean? No way. 
Um, but now I kind of I couldn't imagine doing anything else after after 15 years of doing it. It's kind of like, what am I? What else would I do? I'm going to go to the river and fish. That's just kind of what I do. Yeah. So. The river. The yeah. river, yeah, yeah. The river. <laughs> that comes from my writing. I mean, I like to write in, I guess, local color would be the liter- literary term for it, but I like to write things the way people say them. And I don't know anybody who says, I'm going to the river. You say, I'm going to the river. And that's just kind of the way it comes out. So that's that, that stuck, and that was a, early on in Facebook. I started to notice an algorithm that if I wrote D-A, exponential amounts of people would see it versus if I wrote it T-H-E. Um, I've been accused of plotting it or planning it or something, and it's just one of those things I noticed, again, that, that works, and so that's why I did it. Um, it wasn't really any more than that, but it's, I have people who come by me on the, on, I'll be out there rowing, have clients, and somebody will come by in a kayak and go, hey, live from the river guy, or something like that. I get that a few times a year at least, but uh, it's, it's uh, one of those things that uh, I'm glad I, I stumbled upon because it, well, it worked. Now, you brought up something that I, uh, I wanted to ask you about. One of the big issues that we're having right now is some rivers that are really crowded with kayakers and mm-hmm. Out of borders and yeah. different people. Yeah, I mean we're we're getting a little bit of that in Blue Ridge too. And so does it does it? Are you running into situations where you're seeing conflicts? No, not conflicts. Here's here's my take on that. Memorial Day weekend, I I tell myself every year I'm not going to work it, and somewhere in the week or two before it, I have people call and say, "Look, you got to take me. Nobody else is." And I say, "Look, I don't like working that weekend. That's the first weekend. All the paddlers and tubers and everybody show up. And by Saturday of that weekend or Sunday, I mean." You go down the river and the fish are like swimming upstream out of the hole, already panicked and spooked before you can get to them. And by the next week, as long as you're not fishing to them, they don't give a hoot if you're floating over top of them. They settle down, they get used to it, because if you think about it, if there's 50 kayaks in one boat with a guide and two clients on it, the overwhelming majority of those, you know, they, I don't think they relate the boats to being caught or, or fishing. It's just one of those things they got to get used to. Um, so the first weekend or two is tough. When there's those many people, I think some people, in, in general, my my sort of stance on the water is I should never be angry at anybody else, and I ought to be able to take it all in stride. You know what I mean? It's kind of a my job to to react that way. It's, you know, I was doing a magazine story a number of years ago with somebody I'll not name, who wound up arguing and yelling and pulled. You know, there were there was a gun come out from underneath the center console of this fellow's boat. And I'll never forget the way that it that it that that impressed on me like how i should behave my you know if i were to guide i should behave as far away from that sort of behavior as possible because it just sort of it i mean it alienated me for the rest of the time on the boat with this fella and it, it just ruined what otherwise would have been a pretty good day of blue cat fishing is what it was but uh, um, and it was not richard sims who pulled <laughs> for the record full disclosure say, yeah <laughs> now the rubber hatch when it comes off it usually comes off from Memorial Day to Labor Day ballpark. Yeah, that's about it. And, you know, those people, more than anything, the, my only irritation with any of it is that some of those, some of the companies will put people who should not be on that river on high water out there. And two or three times a year, I wind up getting out the old throw rope and pulling somebody out of, out of a hiccup or out of hypothermia. And Been there, done that. Well, I can't not stop my trip to help somebody who's turning you know blue in the lips and so it's 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 frustrating but it's one of those things that uh you just do when you find somebody in bad spot so definitely yeah uh, i've been there and done that the rubber hatch that's the rubber hatch. i like well that. There, there's there's the rubber hatch there's the plastic hatch uh-huh. 
and uh, sometimes associated with the rubber hatch. It, it's a sub-hatch, which is very, very nice. It's called the bikini hatch. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we get that usually in July. and, and Yeah, the bikini yeah. hatch I can deal with. <laughs> it's, the, it's the other two I can. Right now we have a great caddis hatch. We have great black caddis, February caddis hatch going off. you got so. some stones, too, don't you? Yeah, but they're not, they're not buzzed. I mean, the caddises are, like, landing in your face like the mayflies do on the Tennessee River in, in you know, early <clears throat> spring. These, you know, there's clouds of them. The frustrating part is while this is our most prolific hatch and looks the best on, out of the water, the fish figured out a long time ago those bugs are a heck of a lot easier to eat while they're still in the water. And so they're not eating, you know, they pretty rarely do they eat the dries on this hatch. They're eating the nymphs, and if you know that and you know what they look like, you're in good shape. Um, it's just it's sort of disappointing that you, you see all these insects and you want, is, want to make the fish come up and eat them. Because it's fly fishermen. I mean, as any fisherman, top water is kind of the ultimate. Um, and it's it's just fish a dry dropper, and you'll get one or two that come up and eat it every once in a while. But by and large, they're eating nymphs right now still. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm still thinking about the bikini hatch person. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we'll, we, we'll move on. Uh, Stoneflies, big or little? Stone flies, we, we just move on. Yeah. <laughs> big stoneflies. Yeah. So the cat is, uh, isn't, it, isn't it a little early? I mean, this is. No, every February, we, I mean, it's, it's just, it, it happens like clockwork the last week of January, beginning week of February on our river. It's just the way it's, you know, it, it happens every year that way. Um, and it lasts till the end of, you know, third, fourth week of February. And then we get into mayflies, which is what I really like. Um, for you most you got the black day. midge hatch that's always out there. That little, yeah, that little, little black midge. I mean, I've fished it. I've yeah, had to yeah. fish it. Gnats. Yeah, in the winter I've fished it. And I've done well, but yeah. it's not a consistent. It has to be cloudy. It has to be the right temperature. And, I like to fish big flies. And yeah. so I don't like to tie tiny flies. And those that requires tying of tiny flies. Mm-hmm. There are other insects in the water, like stoneflies. And I tell people, if you got to catch fish on a midge, you probably don't have to catch fish. Fish with a stonefly, and you'll catch the, the fish, same fish uh, most days. Um, so that's, that's my take on it. Or say the heck with it and just put on a streamer and go for meat. Yeah, you could I mean, do that, too. Or throw a Rapala at that, yeah, at that I mean, rate if you don't want to wear your arm out. But, um, yeah, I, I, like, I like to nymph fish. So stoneflies are where I go. Now, I will say, Joe is one of the few guides I've actually been out with that rode back upstream and said, hey, did you see that? And I said, no, what? He rose back upstream, and there was a fly stuck in a tree. <laughs> and yeah, he, I'm notorious for that. And he went and retrieved it <laughs> and put it in on, on the deck and said, you know, we'll, we'll fish that one later. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've got flack for that over the years, but, you know, it's kind of like if I see a quarter in the parking lot as I leave today, I'm going to bend over and That's, pick it up, you know. Quarter's got a new owner. <laughs> yeah, you don't get rich spending money. <laughs> we'll be right back. Tony Sanders Outdoors. Sportsman's Warehouse is a perfect place to shop for all your outdoor equipment. No matter the season, Sportsman's Warehouse friendly staff and knowledgeable experts can assist you in finding what you need for your adventure. If you're a hunter, angler, boater, hiker, camper, or need clothing or shoes, Sportsman's Warehouse has just what you need. 
If you're looking for a firearm, Sportsman's Warehouse has over a 1,000 guns in the store. Now, if you don't see one you want, you can go to sportsmanswarehouse.com and select from over 6,700 guns offered online. Then you can have it shipped directly to the store, everyday low prices, no shipping charges, and no processing fees. Don't forget to sign up and register for the Sportsman's Warehouse loyalty card. This will give you points towards gift cards and special promotions, as well as keeping you informed of upcoming events. Be sure to like them on Facebook for prizes, promotions, as well as things happening at the store. The place to shop for all your outdoor needs. Sportsman's Warehouse. The great indoors for those who love the great outdoors. Highway 153 and Lee Highway. Mady's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawn. If you're a homeowner, Mady's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed specifically for this area and provide you with the knowledge to have the lawn that will be the envy of all your neighbors. Don't go buy a bag of something that may or may not work from a big box store. Mady's has years of local knowledge and knows what will work in this area. Trust the local experts in fertilizer to assist you with your lawn. Make your neighbors really jealous. Call Mady's. If you're a lawn care company owner or are on a landscaping group, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Your customers will be happy with the great results, and so will you. Call Beatty's for more information on bulk fertilizer for your lawn care company. Minimum quantities required. So whether you're a homeowner, lawn care company, or just like digging around in the yard, go with the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer, 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Spring will soon be here, and you know what that means, grilling and barbecue. You can get everything you need at Don's Meat Shop, 6408 Dixon Pike. Don has steaks such as T-bone, porterhouse, ribeyes, and many, many more. You can pick up kebabs, chicken, burgers, pork chops, roast or fish, and try out their seafood. Be sure to try their summer sausage snack sticks. Don has quality meats and great cooking advice, so give them a call at 423-842-1256. Don's is open six days a week, closed Tuesdays. Check them out at donsmeatshop.com and be sure to like them on Facebook. Welcome back. Wrapping up the first hour. David, I want to thank you again for bringing in some sausage. You're very welcome. I appreciate you having me this morning. Was that Missouri venison? Oh, yes. Uh (laughs) It was good. Oh, it was beyond good. It was awesome. That's all corn fed. Better yeah. than that mountain acorn fed. Yeah. Deer. Now yeah, you and, and I can tell a difference between oh, yeah. West Tennessee or or a farm raised venison versus Eastern yeah. acorn eating. Yeah. You yeah can my tell wife, the my wife will eat a ton of Missouri venison, but she won't. You know what I harvest around here? Oh, it's just not good. It's not good. But you just can't believe the amount of fat inside those animals. It's like. And it's like beef. It's oh, just yeah. crazy. It's 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 the fatted calf. Yeah, it is. <laughs> exactly. That's and they're, and gotta be what makes it taste better. Yeah. yeah. And they're absolutely. huge too. They're just like they look like a cow. Well, and I think um Joe, I think part of it too is they don't have to work as hard. Yeah. They're not yeah. running up and oh, down yeah. mountains. Yeah. They're it's absolutely. On, it's flat land. Uh, and they don't have to they don't have to work hard for the food. I mean yeah. they, they go out and, and it's just h- higher Hey, look. The, a whole field. The, yeah. the they the just big, planted the a thousand acres of corn. A hundred <laughs> acres. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I think I think that does. But it's it's no different than you can tell the difference in in really well raised beef versus oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. some that's kind of you yeah. know scrub brush and everything else. So yeah. it makes a difference. So yeah, there's a big difference. Well, let the 
uh, top of the hour, I'm going to slip out, guys. I've got company in town. and just want to thank you guys for having me. Hope you enjoyed oh, your breakfast. Thank oh, you very much. It was and nice to meet you. Meet Let's go this, fishing. Meeting this trout guy over here has been a pleasure, so uh, it won't be long. Sounds good. Just, <laughs> just holler. Well, thank you so much for coming by and, and, and definitely for bringing breakfast because that, oh, yeah. that was delicious. Y'all keep it real. It's, it's just awesome. You guys well, do a great job. Maybe it's a lot we, of fun. We'll, we'll start talking more about food since you chastise us for not bringing up yeah. food anymore. Usually I let uh, your first phone call most of the time on Saturday mornings is um, uh, Beaver Man. Beaver Man. Yeah. And he, he won't bring up food very often. I thought, well, I might have to start getting in on the the six o the five o six a.m. phone call is going to be for me, and I'm going to just when they answer, I'm going to say spaghetti, or something. Just, <laughs> country ham, just yell hamburger out helper, <laughs> anything. Uh, do we have anything coming up calendar wise that we want to cover? I know there's quite a few things still going on. We do. Uh, the Cherokee chapter of the National Wild Turkey Banquet is going to be out at Chester Frost. That's going to be starting uh, March 2nd at 5.30 p.m. up at the Roundhouse at Chester Frost. There's a free trapper training camp up at the Hiawassee Refuge the 15th through the 17th. And if you want more information on that, call John Daniel at the TWRA at 423 uh, SCI's Night of the Hunter is going to be March 23rd at the Chattanooga Convention Center. Doors open at 5 p.m. And mark your calendars for this one. I'm bringing in guests to talk about this one next week. The Chattanooga Gr- Ducks Great Unlimited Outdoor Festival for Kids is going to be out at Covey Creek Farms. If you've got kids or know of kids, tell them about this event. Yeah, it's I'm going to. That would be a good event. I'm going to be out of town next week giving away money from Friends of NRA, so that will be good to have them in. Yeah, that's All right. May the 6th. Guys, thank you, David, so much, and we'll uh, see everybody in just a few minutes. Here come the ducks, hit the high baller. Shut up the dogs, stare at the water. Don't stop that podcast now. That's only one half of the show. We'll be right back with the second half of Tony Sanders Outdoors. Tighten your life vest, strap into your tree stand, and get ready for the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoors. Your source for outdoor information, education, and entertainment. Now, here are your hosts, Tony Sanders and Rob Pratula. I can make a living from walking in the woods. You can Welcome back. Tony Sanders Outdoors. Hour number two on this somewhat rainy Saturday. I was coming in and... Of course, driving through the rain, and I look over, and I was like, man, those clouds are really dark. You know, of course, this is 4.15 in the morning. Right. Yeah. Then I realized that the clouds weren't dark. It was holes in the sky. I could see stars. Uh-huh. I'm like, huh, this is nuts. And, of course, the rain's supposed to be stopping. I don't know if it has yet or not. Yeah, it wasn't raining when, when I went so, out there. But did you see the deer in the parking lot out there? Uh, I didn't. I, I don't ever notice deer is the thing. Like, I, I notice fish, but not deer. No, they're good for flying. Top line. I know. Okay. I, I, I do use a little bit of it. Almost all my natural materials come from hunter friends, so I'd, I'd, I'd certainly appreciate hunter I need some, some wood duck feathers if anybody's got any. <laughs> um, I'm desperately seeking wood duck flank feathers. Well, the duck signal has gone up, so I'm sure we're going to have some <laughs> listeners who can set you up. I know a few guys. Uh, we got the DU guys coming in next week. So, yeah. Well, the guy that taught me to fly fish is a taxidermist, and so he's you know he's taught me along the way how to how to find all the natural materials on my own. So seal? No, I did have a piece of polar bear for a while. 
Um, Shame on you. Yeah, I wasn't supposed to have it, and I got... Are you not? Part no. Of, no, it's endangered. No. <laughs> Polar bears are endangered? Yes. I believe they are, yeah. I mean, that's not like... I, I mean, it was it was a piece that was in that had been sold when it was still legal. It was sure. probably 40 years old, but um, I used it, and then it's gone. So. Well, that's that's one of the things that aggravates me is you can buy something that's legal, and then they make it illegal, and then you get in trouble if you have it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was like I had a friend of mine um was a big fly tire in Canada. They can buy seal fur up there. Yeah. And, you know, he brought me a couple of packages of it, and, you know... They asked him what it was when he went in across, you know, customs. He said, it's fly time materials. They said, what is that? He said, it's goat. And they said, oh, okay. And so yeah. he, it looks like goat. It, <laughs> it, it's very close to goat. We use goat as a substitute because we can't use seal, but yeah. he actually brought me some seal, and I, yeah. I tied it. It's like the yellow hammer here in Tennessee. Uh, oh, my You're gosh. Not allowed, yeah, that, oh. that bird is, 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 is well protected. Oh, very much and so. It's, you know, it's a good thing it's protected. We at Tony Center's Outdoors do not condone using any illegal material in your fly time. Oh, Correct. Because no. Tony Sanders Outdoors cares. Absolutely. This message brought to you by Tony Sanders. <laughs> hey, we have a, I have a busy week. I don't know about you guys. What do you got going? Well, Tuesday, I am going to Knoxville to watch the number one Vols play. But it's a special trip. The uh, Donate Life Tennessee has been chosen to form the T at Knoxville that the players run through on the court. Oh, cool. Cool. So uh, kind of with her kidney uh, transplant and, and all of the work that she does for Donate Life now um, is going to be up there uh, forming the tea. So that's going to be kind of cool. That's cool. Oh, that's cool. So we're going up there. And then Wednesday I leave, and I'm going to be in Nashville for three days. Got a commission meeting coming up. Not a whole lot on the agenda. Uh, waterfowl season setting, speaking of wood duck. Uh, waterfowl season setting, but this is the last uh, meeting of the term, so we'll be actually turning over five commissioners. Uh, and the new ones have not been appointed yet, so cool. sometime between now and hopefully the end of March when we have our next meeting, the new commissioners will be appointed and, and we'll start all over again. So that'll be fun. And then on Saturday, I'm giving away $400,000 to... Uh, uh, deserving people from uh, all the money been raised in uh, Friends of NRA and last you're good, year. You're good. And you're going to be at the Trout Unlimited biology meeting today. Today, yeah. <laughs> what, what are they expecting from me there? Do you have any idea? Uh, smile like, and wave. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, looking forward to that. That's, what, 9 o'clock, I think, this morning. It starts mm-hmm. over at the Conservation Institute. So, I got a, I got a busy, a busy, busy, busy. You're gonna be tra- you're gonna be what Knoxville, Nashville. Yep. You're not going to Memphis. I mean, you'd have the trifecta if you went drove out to Memphis. Yeah. You know, when I went to Memphis just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. that's the first time I'd been there in probably 20 years, other than passing through for Arctic Arkansas to go hunting. Yeah, I just it, it hadn't dawned on me, but uh, I spent some time with uh, my aunt and uncle that are there, and and we started talking about the last time I'd been there, and it really had been 20 years. Hmm. Did I ever talk? Did I talk on there about? The Elvis strip, uh, mm-hmm. Graceland. No, I don't think so. But I would, I would like to hear this, me personally, because well, I, I warned you, it's in the hood. It, it actually was not as bad as you said. Um, there were a couple things that surprised me about Memphis. It's not nearly as, as a war zone that you said it was. You, I was there in the nineties. So. Okay, uh, but no, I actually had a ball at Graceland. Not. I actually had more fun in the museum than I did 
Graceland. Graceland was kind of. I've never been there. I'd like to go. It's 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 pricey. I'll just mm-hmm. tell you right up front. Um, it. Uh, I had just read the week before I went that it was the um, uh, the most overpriced. Um, useless tourist event in Tennessee. <laughs> and uh now I really want to go. <laughs> but now, now let me let me tell you in all seriousness I would probably not ever go back to Graceland the house. Yeah. All right. It's 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 just like it was in 1977 when he died. Mm-hmm. It, and they had nothing's changed. Really. It's shag carpet, carpet and <laughs> yeah, it, it's nothing's changed. It's like a time capsule. It, it is. Yeah. It is. It's now upstairs may not be that way, but downstairs is. Okay. They only let you see a small part of it. Um, it's very cramped, very small, just like a house that was built in the twenties. Huh. Okay. And it's 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 not that big of a house. I guess I always thought of it as a sprawling, nope. big house. No, it's just a normal house. Hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, think about houses you grew up yeah, in. Yeah. Um, now he added to it and it ultimately became like 17,000 square feet, but it's still very, I mean, there was, there was one, uh, steps that we went down. I almost am touching both sides of the wall. <laughs> I mean, it's the, the smallest yeah, yeah. and so that's the way it was. But on the other side of the road, they've turned it into a, a big museum I see. and it starts with his cars and goes all the way through his life Oh wow! till his death. That was cool. Yeah, we spent cool. we spent three hours in there, and I could have spent three more. Wow! But they were having a big event, so we had to get out of there. You had to be inside the the museum by eleven a.m., and, and it was going to be closed for like four hours. I see. So we went in, and and we still spent two or three hours going through it. But that was way cool. Hmm. So yeah. that's my my Elvis thing. Oh, huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm I'm looking forward to going over there and. Uh, saying goodbye to some really great people who have done, uh, you know, a lot of time. You and I have talked, Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Cox, who is out of Memphis. Colliver, actually. Colliver. Uh, Colliver. Yeah, there. And uh, this is his second term. He did, uh, he did, he's done 12 years. And it's not, it's a lot of work. It's a lot more than I realized. Uh, but Bill's wrapping up. Uh, Jamie Woodson's wrapping up. Jeff Cook, uh, is who's his current chairman, is wrapping up. Uh, Chad Baker is finished. And then uh, Bill Swan. So all five of those guys are, are rolling off. They've done their time, and five new people will be rolling on. And they were paid so well for their time and travel. Yeah, they doubled my salary uh, every year I've been there so far. Sweet. Yeah. What are you making now? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll, I'll get on a phone call and somebody's upset about something, and 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 I'll get on the phone call and I'll hang up in my office. And they pay you how much for this? Well, I'm just <laughs> waiting for somebody to call up. I pay your salary. No, you don't. No, not really. Nope. It's labor of love, I'm sure. Oh, it, it is. It is. And um, you know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Don't know that I'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Looks good on the resume. Not sure I want to make this a career. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Everybody is smarter than you are. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, if it's on Facebook, it must be true. <laughs> and I read that on the Internet. Yeah. So, Joe, uh, when will your season kick off, really? Uh, last week. I last got, week? I, yeah, I mean, I, I've worked 
four or five days last week, and that's kind of through the winter time. I do two to three days a week, and if if I'm lucky, um, and then come the second week of February, it's like clockwork. It just busts wide open. Um, and I don't know what I'm gonna do next week in all the rain. We'll be playing schedule uh, schedule uh, uh, bingo, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. trying to move things around. But hopefully, it doesn't. You know, the rain is the big big question for next week and what it'll do to the water but uh so so what how do they find you on facebook north georgia north georgia trout fishing there's a facebook page uh, under that name um not only problem that i've seen with the tacoa as far as you know being a guide there are there's an access point at the dam at park yeah just down from the dam which is maybe a mile less than a mile yeah, yeah. next access point is curtis switch which is about eight miles down yep yeah. And the next access point is McClellan Park, uh, Horseshoe Bend. Horseshoe Bend Park. Sorry. And there's one more at the end of that at the McKaysville City. McKaysville. Park the, there's a concrete boat ramp there. Yeah, but between Horseshoe Bend and, or I'm sorry, between uh, Curtis Switch and Horseshoe Bend is seven, seven miles. miles. Yes. So there's like four or five access points, and you you run the you you have run the whole river but you normally got the lower section but there's one place to put in and there's one place to take out everything else is private so unless somebody has a guide taking them down river they're not going to see any water whatsoever they're going to see the water where they put in yeah. and that's it yeah yeah i mean that's i i'm i'm blessed in that i have agreements with you know arrangements with landowners along the way so i've got a number of, of options places but for the average guy who's coming from out of town to fish the tacoa you're looking at waiting or fishing a full day in a boat uh you know on your own and that can that can be complicated for a number of reasons coming from out of town um i don't uh you know there's this whole shuttle issue that you'd have to figure out and other things however you know the one thing about the tacoa and i'll say this much it's sort of the last place in georgia where you know, the law says, yes, you're fishing. If if somebody owns the land, they own the substrate of the river. Um, it's the last place left in Georgia where common sense prevails. And as long as you're not trashing a place or acting a fool, people are happy, to, you know, in general to see you out there waiting. You don't want to walk through anybody's yard. As long as you get in at public access and wade up or down, I've never in my life been, uh, you know, run off by anybody, and I've never seen anybody else run off by any of the landowners. So the landowners are gracious enough. Let's all be sure that we are gracious back, and you know, pick up pick up garbage if you see it. If it's not yours, who cares? Pick it up anyways. <laughs> I do find that very weird, though, that the uh, the landowners own the yeah, and that's where the boats come in, kind of like a helicopter over your house. Um, they, they wouldn't be trespassing until they dropped a rope down and touched your roof, and we we don't technically aren't trespassing unless we anchor. And there's a couple places where they've got signs you know, it says no anchoring, and you respect it and you don't anchor. So you're not trespassing unless you anchor. Unless you touch the bottom of the river, because they own the substrate. The TVA has rights over the water flowing through it. Apparently, is my understanding of it. TVA owns the water. Yeah, they own the land that the water runs over. Yeah, correct. That's that's the the state of Georgia's take on it, at least, and that's that's what's held up in in court at times. So. That's just—it's crazy. That's I think silly. I think it should be a public access. Now I don't think you should be able to walk through somebody's yard. I agree to get in, but if you get in it at the you know at into public land and you're using public access points, and you don't you know you walk up a stream and you go through somebody's property, 
Um, I think you ought to be able to do that. But you know, now that I think about it, I had uh, I had a farm in West Tennessee, and I remember my property line was the middle of the creek. The same way it is in Georgia. Your plat will show it to the middle of the creek. Yeah. If you're on both sides in Georgia, you can control the activities that go on 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 that stream. You can control whether or not people can float through and fish. Um, you can't stop them from floating. But in Georgia, I can say you can't fish while you float through. And at least in Fannin County, they'll you know. Famous upper end of the river, they'll they'll the Fannin County deputy will come out and then get you. Wow, yeah. we'll be right back. Tony Sanders Outdoors. <laughs> if you need any outdoor supplies, there's only one place to go: Sportsman's Warehouse. They have all the equipment you need, as well as a friendly, knowledgeable staff to assist you. If you want a firearm, then check out the thousands of guns they have on the shelf. If you don't see one you want, go to sportsmanswarehouse.com. Choose from over 6,700 models they have, and they will ship it directly to the store. Everyday low prices, no shipping charges, and no processing fees. Sportsman's Warehouse, the great indoors for those who love the great outdoors. Highway 153 and Lee Highway. Beatty's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawns. If you're a homeowner, Beatty's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed for this area and provide you with knowledge to have a lawn that is the envy of all your neighbors. If you're a lawn care company owner, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Go to the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer, 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Are you a member of the National Rifle Association? If not, why? No other organization in this country fights for your rights like the NRA. In the current environment, our rights under the Second Amendment are being attacked every day. While we in the South may feel comfortable, that is not the case all across America. The NRA is taking up the fight for you, and you need to be a part. Join the over 5 million men, women, and children who are members of the NRA. Go to TonySandersOutdoors.com and click on the Join NRA link. Don't wait too late. Welcome back. Tony Sanders Outdoors, hanging out with fishing guide guru Joe DiPietro from North Georgia. Fishes the Tacoa famously. Infamously. Infamously. That's probably a better way to put it. Infamously. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, I'm glad uh, Yeah, Richard was giving you a hard time. And I'm like, man, you know, I feel kind of honored because normally he comes in when I'm not here. So I kind of feel glad you Yeah, I usually wind up uh, feeling, feeling a seat here when you're, yeah. you're out of town or something. So I was kind of glad to, to, to be able to, to be yeah. here with you today. Yeah, me, me too. It's I need to go fishing with you. Yeah, you do. I, I keep, uh, I know I've mentioned it to you before, but you need to come fish. Um, it's hard to it's hard to beat any time between now and the middle of summer. Like when it gets too hot to comfortably be outside past right. 10 a.m., uh, you know, that's kind of the only limiting factor. Um, because it's a tailwater, our, our river fishes pretty consistently all year long. Um, so it's less dependent on weather than, say, a freestone stream is. But uh, the peak, of course, is, is kind of the spring and, and then fall, of course, when leaves fall. Uh, everybody's happy to come out and fish then because um, it's pretty. Um, the the middle of summer is kind of hot, and everybody's going back to school. But So you can find you on Facebook at North Georgia Trout Fishing. Yep. Uh, or they can give you a call at 706-851-4001. Correct. All right. Correct. Um, that's, you know, if, you, if you're interested in trips, um, all the information is on Facebook in terms of, uh, I believe there's, there should be pricing on there, and, and there's you, know, you can message me on Facebook. You can send me emails. All that information is on there. 
Um, there's lots and lots of photos and uh, everything from flies to fish to the river itself. Um, it would give you a good understanding or kind of snapshot of what a day of fishing with me can, can be like. Um, not all the fish are huge. Not all the fish are big. I think it's important that, you know, you see so many pictures. Most pictures you see of fish is only the big ones. I think it's important that we take pictures and appreciate the beauty of the smaller fish, too, or the average-sized fish. Um, the fact that... Like that one? Yeah, like that one, exactly. Um, that, that started for me in a way. Somebody, somebody said to me, you don't fish that river every day. Do you? No way. You don't really fish every day. And so I just would post a picture of a fish every day as a way to say, yeah, really, I do. It's kind of a obsession in a way. But, um, you know, my I've always I've always said, you know, I've had people ask me over the years, how would you hire a guide? Um, and what I always tell people is call, call a guide and ask him for pictures of fish from the river here, wherever he's planning to take you from the last 24 hours. And if he can't give that to you. Okay, ask him for the last 48. If he can't do that, uh, call somebody else till, till they can. So uh, I think the, the key to being a good guide is, you know, the, the fish end of it is going when you're not working. And the rest of it's kind of people. You've know, you got to be able to work with people. And it's, it's lifeguard, psychologist, and then fish is kind of the, the way I describe it. Um, so that's Rob's problem. He can't work with people too well. I don't know he does okay on my boat. Yeah, he always catches fish. Yeah, yeah. I just you know have to I, have to put up with the <laughs> with the bad jokes. Yeah, <laughs> with all the jokes <laughs> and and complaining that I'm catching these darn dirty trout and not brim. No, you don't complain hardly. Yeah. <laughs> Never. <laughs> the license went up the last time in Georgia, so if if we're gonna head down, it did go up since the last time I got it. It is now fifty bucks for a annual fishing license in Georgia plus a trout stamp. So. Oh, that's going up. That's that's not bad. I mean, no, no it's that's not, not bad. bad. I mean, that's your dog. That's my dog. She uh, <laughs> she comes with me day in and day out. She's a faithful little dog. That dog has fished everywhere from North Georgia to the Madison River in Montana, um, and she is a trooper. Um, there's times in the winter I've got pictures of me with her in my waders, just kind of sitting up. But I have I have clients who, if I don't bring that dog, they're not happy. Um, they she, she's part of the experience for them, but. Uh, She's she's a great little great little fishing dog. Does she retrieve? <laughs> no, she doesn't like to get wet. She likes to be set on a warm rock and go to bed. You know, she likes to sleep on the boat. She's uh, she's not into the fish at all, which is probably what I need. You know, I don't need any more encouragement than I already got. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But yeah, she's a she's a great little dog. Good Boston Terrier. Uh, Boston Terrier. Yep. She's uh, How old she's is she now? the mascot. She's going on. Four, and she was given to me by the guy that taught me to fly fish. So he's uh, she's 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 got fly fishing in her blood, so to speak. Um, but yeah, she'll she's not going much now. She'll be going more probably start March when it gets a little warmer. She get mad when you leave her though. Oh yeah, no, she does not like to be left home alone. Um, so when it's cold and there's nobody else at home, she comes and sits under a blanket. So right? why is she not in here today? She's at home in bed with my girlfriend. Oh, okay. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Somebody's at home, and so she's she's happy to stay home. She's fine uh, with that. Got you. Yeah. She's got a snuggle buddy. So Better than cold and, and outside with me in the uh, rain. Yeah. yeah. No, I, so get I get she that. She knows I'm coming back. Yeah. Uh, I get that. So. Uh, what um, What's the next big, um, I guess, hatch? You got the caddis hatch happening. Caddis hatch is going to end here in the next couple weeks, and then it'll be mayflies and... Uh, stoneflies for the rest of 
most of the summer. Um, we're going to get a few different types. We'll have Hendrickson's and Cahill's. And really, you know, I'll, I'll take this opportunity to tell anybody interested in fly fishing. Like you hear all these different names of bugs. The bottom line is you need to know four insects, really. And they live everywhere trout swim. And that's a midge, a caddis, a stonefly, and a mayfly. If you know how to identify those four species, you can go to the river, look at them, and then match size and color. Like, you don't need to be able to tell a March brown from a Hendrickson mayfly. You just need to know it's a brown mayfly that's about what size. And I think fly fishing is sort of, it being complicated and, and unattainable for people is A, not good for my business, and B, not good for the sport. And so it's one thing I really strive to do is, is find ways to explain it to people that, that make sense. Um, and that's, it's not always, not always easy to do, but uh, I find there's four or five ways you can explain everything, and one of them will usually work. Um, I'm, I'm into to making things simple, not, not trying to make it complicated for people. And that's, I tell Rob, in, in what you just addressed, I talk about that all the time. Fly fishing to me is very complicated and technical. Uh, I think, see, I, I disagree. Like, I, I, think, I think that's the, what, what everybody, most people think. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people also think it's expensive, um, and it can be. But, uh, you know, I, I was talking to a, a, another guide in fly tire on Facebook recently, and I said it doesn't have to be expensive. Like, I tie flies, believe it or not, out of, you know, thread I bought at Walmart, string I bought at Walmart, and yarn I bought at Walmart. And, you know, if instead of buying expensive rubber legs, I go and I get bass skirts for 99 cents and cut them up. And the fish don't care. They eat, some, frankly, they eat some of that stuff better than they do the stuff you buy at the fly shop. So it can be expensive if you want it to be. It doesn't have to be. I catch lots of fish on a $150 rod, and Rob may catch just as many on a $900 rod. Does it mean that either of those are better than one another? Not necessarily. And see, that to me is not the part. I, and I never have really thought it was expensive. I mean... Maybe to get the initial equipment, okay, yeah. but and it doesn't have to be. And most I of mean, it's got good warranties on it too. You, most go of the equipment. To, you were talking earlier, uh, Sportsman's Warehouse sells Temple Fork. That's a great, oh, absolutely, great fishing mm-hmm. rod. Yeah, Temple Fork is a great, company. and they're not that expensive. Yeah, um, no, they're not. Nine eight hundred bucks. Yeah, and well, you can go up from there, but yeah, they start at about ninety. But I mean, so you're not you're not spending a lot. To me, where it gets complicated is where, uh, like you're talking about, you know, I can go bass fishing. I can take a tackle box, and mm-hmm. I keep throwing something until they start hitting. Yeah. yeah. All right? But you're talking about looking at a, a bug and figuring out how to match it, make sure you've got a fly that's close to that. That, to me, is the technical side is what makes yeah. it hard to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I could put it to you this way. You could, there's probably 100 flies I can get them to eat today. There's probably none I can get them to eat if I don't fish it properly. Right. So it's more about how than what you fish with. Um, and going with people that, that have some experience, go out and go to, go to a TU meeting and meet a fellow who's 10 year, 15 years older than you and, and buddy up with him and see what you can't learn. I mean, there's a lot of people, if you just show a little initiative in fly fishing, who are more than willing to help you. I got a materials uh, question for you, but I think yeah. we've got some calls coming. Well, we're going, we're going to take a break, come back and get the calls, and we'll get to your material question. Okay. How's that? Cool. Sounds good. Works for me. So that, I think that's a plan. That sounds like a great plan. All right. Tony Sanders Outdoors, callers. Don't hang up. We just lost two. They're hanging up on us. They're hanging up on you. It's me. I'm sorry. I do apologize. Tony <laughs> Sanders Outdoors cares. We'll be right back. <laughs> Campfires are burning. We're gathered round. 
If you're looking to target your product or service to the outdoor community, Tony Sanders Outdoors can help. Nearly one-third of the radios are tuned to Tony Sanders Outdoors on Saturday mornings from 5 to 7 a.m. Whether it's a recorded commercial, live reads, remote broadcast, or product endorsements, Tony and Rob can help. Give us a call at 423-280-3677 to discuss your advertising needs. Tony Sanders Outdoors, your outdoor advertising solution. 423-280-3677. Like a good neighbor is not just a saying. It exactly describes my friend Rodney Allen. For nearly 20 years, my family has relied on Rodney for all of our insurance needs. He's been there when my kids were learning to drive, when my wife had been hit by a few deer, and when I needed life insurance to protect my family, as well as when my grandson was born. As you can see, he's not just our agent. He's part of our life. Rodney Allen, 423-847-3881. Like a good friend, Rodney will be there for your family too. 423-847-3881. Spring will soon be here, and you know what that means, grilling and barbecue. You can get everything you need at Don's Meat Shop, 648 Hickson Pike. Don has steaks such as T-bone, porterhouse, ribeyes, and many, many more. You can pick up kebabs, chicken, burgers, pork chops, roasts, or fish, and try out their seafood. Be sure to try their summer sausage snack sticks. Don has quality meats and great cooking advice, so give them a call at 423-842-1256. Don's is open six days a week, closed Tuesdays. Check them out at donsmeatshop.com, and be sure to like them on Facebook. Welcome back. Tony Sanders Outdoors, hanging with Joe DiPietro, fishing guide extraordinaire from the Tacoa River area in North Georgia. So, uh, again, I, I love this story. The Georgians heard the Indians say Tacoa. Yeah. And the Tennesseans heard the Indians say Okoy. Yeah, I mean, if the, the A would, would be an E sound in that word. So yeah. Tacoa is how old old-timers in the area say it. And that was how I first sort of got the wheels turning and i used to tell that story anecdotally to clients like it was a joke and then somewhere along i think it was in like the ducktown basin museum or somewhere like that that i actually found some paperwork that led to some legitimacy of that legitimacy to that and that's, that's in fact the story let's go to beaver man and then don't let me forget i actually have a question for joe from one of the listeners all right a couple of questions actually hey beaver man uh good morning gentlemen professor good morning um, the uh, what if you had a client that only wanted to fish Tenkara <laughs> on your river for the um, I mean, day? if 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 in all seriousness, if I had a client who wanted to come fish Tenkara on my river, um, I'd I'd bring. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, no, no. I mean, here's what I'd do: I'd bring my regular gear, like I do every day. That you know, somebody brings their own gear. I always provide. I bring what I'm going to bring, you regardless. And that way, when he caught a ten pound or you know a big trout and had to. I've been told when you hook a big trout with Tenkara, you're supposed to, if you can't, if you're going to break the line, you're supposed to put the rod in the water. And, and I, you know, when he does that, he'll still have a rotting fish with afterwards. Um, it's, 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 I don't know if it would work for reasons that it's, you know, we want to get kind of away from the boat sometimes. It would limit you if you're not waiting. Um, Tenkara. Tenkara is a, a neat idea for small streams. I think I'm not so sure it would work well. You, you'd be you'd be selling yourself short on a on a bigger river. Well, it's not me. I, I don't fish those things because I I like technology such as floating lines and yeah yeah. I mean I, I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with that. Correct. I think it's sort of an archaic throwback. There's a lot of people who also like to fish you know glass rods. It's kind of that thing. 
uh, where this, you know, people like the feeling of a fi- I can't hook a fish with a fiberglass rod. It's my trouble. Um, and I have, you know, I think most and almost all my clients, uh, as they learn, have trouble fishing slow action rods, and that's what fiberglass are. I've never personally fished Tenkara. Um, I just, I can't get over the idea that what am I going to do if I hook a big fish? Because uh, it happens from time to time to me, and I don't want to, you know, I don't know. Yeah, well, you need to fish for people that don't catch big fish, that, that only satisfy <laughs> well, no, themselves. I'm the one that catches the big fish, fish though. the size of your thumb. <laughs> oh, I've done a lot of that, too. I mean, I, I, I love to fish a small, you know, brook trout stream or, or wild trout stream. And, uh, you know, when I was young, I, we, my family had land on a, a wild trout stream in North Georgia, and I swore the fish didn't get bigger than six inches. And then, you know, as years went on, they st- I thought they were growing. And then somewhere into my adulthood, I realized, wait a second, I'm just getting better. Um, this last year, I caught a 19-inch wild rainbow out of that same river. So nice. it's, wow. it's a, matter of, a matter of, I think, it, time. There's, there's no substitute in fishing for time spent doing it. Um, if you want to go out and you want to catch big fish or you want to go out and you want to learn something, go out and do it. Go out and goof it up, make the mistakes, and, and learn. I'm pretty stubborn. That's how I've learned most do, of the Do you things. only guide for uh, trouts? Yeah, all I do is, is, is trout. Yes, yeah. Sir. No muskies? No, and then, you know, I may once uh, once the muskies start going in Parksville when they get yeah. you know, in a couple more years. We'll see what happens, but I love to trout fish. I love the I love current and, and how it affects what we do. And so if it's not in moving water, I'd be more apt to fish muskie in a river than I would uh, right, in the lake. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy trout and the way they feed and, and all the science behind it. You know, it's kind of like mixing hunting and fishing together. Um, right on. So that's, that's one thing I really enjoy about it. Well, maybe it'll ever quit raining. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we catch aren't it. always aren't blowing the heck out. No, and that's the good thing about tailwater is it takes a little bit of generation. It's clean again. So, you know, it's not always what you might think condition-wise, and some days we get, you know, it's it's the opposite. You think it's going to be great, and you get there, and it's still muddy. And, yeah. you, you know, you, you just, you got to be, you have to be flexible. Nothing nothing in fly fishing or trout fishing is static. It, it's always changing. Well, right on. Thank you, Beaverman. Thanks man. for the call. All right, gentlemen, thank you. See ya. All right. Name the four um, types of bugs again. Midges. Midges. Caddisflies. Caddisflies. Mayflies. Mayflies. And stoneflies. Midges, caddisflies, mayflies, and stoneflies. Correct. So if you know those four, you'll... You, you know, know how to identify them. You, you can know. pretty much go to any... You one. go to the... You go, you, you know, you, based upon what you see in the stream or, or what people are telling you, you, you then go to your box and you match size and color. If I, you know, there's, there's mayflies that come in everything from tan to green to, to brown to yellow. But as long as I know that all mayflies have these big, elongated, you know, what, they, what a mayfly looks like in, in principle is like a, a rhinoceros from an elephant, in a sort of, kind of an analogy. Um, it doesn't matter if the elephant's 100 pounds in purple or if he's 1,200 pounds in green. As long as I know he's an elephant, I can right. go and match it. And that's, that's what I think really matters. There you go, John. Hopefully that answered your question. And Mike asked, what is the average depth of the Tacoa, and what type of boats are allowed? I hadn't even thought about the boat question. Um, you know, the boat question is a, is an interesting question. Let's go back to the depth thing. There are holes in that river on, on low water that, you know, go 15, 20, 25 feet in one or two of them. Um, on high water, you're going to add anywhere from three to six or eight feet to that, depending on the, the water flow. Um, there's also a lot of places. There's places on high water that aren't a foot deep. 
in those places are inches when it's when it's down and so it's it's one of those things that you can be prepared and i'm you know rob can attest to this if you're on my boat i'm going to tell you all day long to to let me adjust your depth long before you change a fly and this is just in general long before you change what you're fishing with change be sure you're fishing from the bottom of the river to the top of the river cover all the vertical water columns and then if it still doesn't happen uh, maybe change some flies or, or your approach but most of the time, I, most of the people I see are, you know, will have 90% of it right, and something's preventing them from getting their flies either down or, or on top where it needs to be. That's, that's a big thing with trout. They, they will not eat something that does not look right. Um, on the, the converse side of that is they'll eat some ugly, ugly stuff that doesn't look like insects if it's moving along at the same speed of the river and looks right. Um, the idea being that you get your your flies or lures or whatever you're fishing with to to look like it's floating along and not attached to to line, and that's a big big challenge. And you're constantly working at that. Um, but uh, that's that's what matters more than kind of what it looks like. All right, and the boats, the boats. Let's go back to that. The 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 state of Georgia has a law that says you can't use any gas powered equipment within 50 feet of a trout stream. Uh, that said, does that mean we can't run a gas engine on that river? The problem is the water's too low. Um, it's not so much whether or not it's legal to do it. You would not want to use anything other than a kayak, a canoe, a uh, you know. I've seen people in you know little John boats. I would not try a uh, trolling motor on that John boat. Everybody I've seen go down that river on low water with a trolling motor. By the time I pass them halfway down the river, they have either gotten rid of the battery. The battery and the trolling motor, or have just kind of gotten out and started pulling the boat downstream. And like uh, Rob mentioned earlier, there's such distance between the, the public access points that you can plan on a solid. If you're covering seven miles of that river and you plan to fish it all, plan for eight to ten hours. And, but you can't use gas motors at all. I'm not going to. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen people do it. But um, when the water's low, there's absolutely no way you can. Right. Okay. The, the DNR will use as a jet boat when they do their stocking and, and, and uh, shock study stuff each year. Sure. Um, but that's the DNR, you know. So I would say that, yeah, it's, it's not, a, not a, I don't know that that's a, a box we want to open on that sure. river. Um, okay. They bottom so, out a lot. Even the DNR boats yeah, bottom yeah. out a you, lot on it's, that river. On low water, there's no way you can do it. You got, on high water, it, it's it's just kind of dangerous without a jet boat. You sure. got the power pool, which is low, and then you got the rock garden yeah. below that, and yeah. you're gonna you're gonna lose lose a lower unit. You're better off in a, a drift boat or a, a cataract or something of that nature, a whitewater raft, something like that. All right. Well, we'll be right back. Corky, hold on. We'll get you as soon as we come back from the break. Tony Sanders outdoors. Sportsman's Warehouse is a perfect place to shop for all your outdoor equipment. No matter the season, Sportsman's Warehouse friendly staff and knowledgeable experts can assist you in finding what you need for your adventure. If you're a hunter, angler, boater, hiker, camper, or need clothing or shoes, Sportsman's Warehouse has just what you need. If you're looking for a firearm, Sportsman's Warehouse has over a 1,000 guns in the store. Now, if you don't see one you want, you can go to sportsmanswarehouse.com and select from over 6,700 guns offered online. Then you can have it shipped directly to the store, everyday low prices, no shipping charges, and no processing fees. Don't forget to sign up and register for the Sportsman's Warehouse loyalty card. This will give you points towards gift cards and special promotions, as well as keeping you informed of upcoming events. 
Be sure to like them on Facebook for prizes, promotions, as well as things happening at the store. The place to shop for all your outdoor needs. Sportsman's Warehouse. The great indoors for those who love the great outdoors. Highway 153 and Lee Highway. Beatty's Fertilizer in Cleveland, Tennessee are the experts when it comes to lush green lawn. If you're a homeowner, Beatty's has everything you'll need for preparing and maintaining your lawn this spring. They can recommend products designed specifically for this area and provide you with the knowledge to have the lawn that will be the envy of all your neighbors. Don't go buy a bag of something that may or may not work from a big box store. Beatty's has years of local knowledge and knows what will work in this area. Trust the local experts in fertilizer to assist you with your lawn. Make your neighbors really jealous. Call Beatty's. If you're a lawn care company owner or are on a landscaping group, Beatty's can formulate special blends for your customers by the pallet. Your customers will be happy with the great results, and so will you. Call Beatty's for more information on bulk fertilizer for your lawn care company. Minimum quantities required. So whether you're a homeowner, lawn care company, or just like digging around in the yard, go with the pros at Beatty's Fertilizer, 472-5491, 472-5491, and check them out at Beatty'sFertilizer.com. Welcome back. Tony Sanders Outdoors wrapping it up. Corky, as promised, coming straight to the phones for you. Good morning, Corky. Hey, guys. Great show as usual. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Hey, I have a uh, pretty basic question, I think. Um, I fish up in the mountains uh, on a lake uh, that's in between two mountain ranges. Okay. And... um, Yes, they generate, but I frequently catch fish um, when they're not generating on um, uh, different things. But as a rule, are trout always going to feed more actively when they are generating? Yeah, I think that here's here's I think that trout, given an increase in current, will take advantage of that because that's the way trout feed. Trout don't actively swim around and and eat like a bass does. You know they don't they don't go out seeking food. They'll sit just out of the current and watch the current like a conveyor belt in a cafeteria. Instead of a tray line, you have a conveyor belt on the current. And he sits. Well, now just, I do see them frequently. Uh, we call it fish in the trash, where there is uh, a big bend in the lake, and it's not a very big lake. But they'll be different debris and all, yeah. and even when they're not generating, they'll cruise out in there. And when you see them ping and ring, yeah, you cast right to that spot, and more than you'll really hook up good when you do that. Absolutely, I, and I would agree with you. I guess maybe I didn't illustrate the point right. When the current increases, the volume of food that's going to have the opportunity to move past them increases that's all that that was all i was getting at so by default if if you increase the current you have more food that's going to move around in the water and and pass the fish because trout aren't aren't the sort of fish usually to to go out and 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 you know search around for food like like some other species will um and if you up the current you get you know that's that's one thing i say about on rivers when the water's high instead of getting one mayfly every second you might get 15 because you have 10 times the volume of water um and 10 times the flow so that's that's uh, kind of the way I look at that. Um, but in, in a okay. lake, is an odd circumstance. Um, I guess most of what I do is in streams and rivers. 
Um, but even you know, even like the lakes out west are you know free flowing. There's there's a, there's pretty well got to be an, an inlet and an outlet for for a, a trout in the lake to work. All right. Okay, and finally, uh, I've also noticed that um, when you're fishing the lake on the side that has evergreen trees, there's not nearly as many trout as there is um, on the other sides where there are hardwoods. And in particular, there is a, um, a worm called the sourwood worm mm-hmm. that are fixing to fall, and when they fall... They love them. Um, uh, it, it is honestly like um, catching fish out of a barrel. They yeah. just swim and congregate yeah. under the tree. Corky, Corky. And it, got... it's it's insane if you ever catch it. Uh, Corky, I got to go, uh, man. Got to go. I'm out of time. All right. Thanks. See you. Thanks, bud. All right. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Joe. Uh, 706-851-4001 or Facebook. Go to North Georgia Trout Fishing on Facebook. Send me a message. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you. Rob, have a good day. Thanks, sir. We'll see everybody next week on Tony Sanders Outdoors. Hunting, fishing, loving every day. That's the prayer that a country boy prays. You have been listening to the podcast of the award-winning Tony Sanders Outdoors show. Please subscribe to our service to get updated shows weekly throughout the year. Like us on all the social medias to keep up with what's going on on Tony Sanders Outdoors.